I brought a stool today. Because I want to give you the feel that I'm like the grandpa. You know, I'm the young hippie looking guy. But I got a little bit of gray. And I want you to feel like, oh yeah, we're really going to glean a lot from Rod today. Um, Because sometimes I just ramble and hope something good comes out. I'm a social media guy. And I recently learned that people don't just like everything you say. I thought... There's a like button right there. I just type something. A hundred people like, 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 like. No, they actually have an angry face now. (laughs) And uh, a sad face. And I'm, if, because of some of the responses I've been getting recently, I think if there were more faces that were choices, like maybe the driving finger, (laughs) that would be a, that would be a choice for people to give me. But I learned on social media that I probably should tone it down a little bit. And so this time I posted, what are your thoughts on John 5, 9 through 15? Because that was what I was preaching on. And I thought, if I just have everyone else do the work, I won't even have to prepare. <laughs> and so I have some observations to share. Some of them might be mine. Some of them maybe just check my Facebook and you can see <laughs> whose idea it was. And if, if you disagree with that, just see who commented on it. And go to their page and click the mean face. (laughs) So, let's read through John 9, or John 5, 9b through 15. Joe Brown did an awesome job last week um, talking about the healing, and so I just get to follow it up uh, with the tail end here. The day on which this took place, Jesus had told a man who had been by the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years and never really managed to roll into the water to pick up his mat and walk, and so... The guy did. Believe it or not, when Jesus says to do stuff, you should do it, especially if you haven't been able to walk for 38 years. So the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. That's enough for a whole sermon right there. We're going to keep going, then we're going to come back here. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So there's a couple things going on, and we'll go back through those slides in a little bit, but obviously Jesus is making a transition from rules to relationship. Did you guys see that? It's pretty simple. He's like, there are some rules that you've been following for 38 years, and they haven't helped you. There are some spiritual laws that you've been following for 38 years, and they haven't helped you. And now I am going to turn it into a relationship. You're going to discuss with me. We're going to have an interaction. We're going to share in some intimacy. And then you're going to be healed. There's more with Jesus than there is with following rules or laws. Point number one from Facebook. There is more with Jesus than following rules or laws. The second observation I have is why in the world did nobody help this guy for 38 years? 
38 years. All he's got to do is fall in the water when the angel stirs it, right? So think about it. I get it. The first week, there's some pretty terminal diseases that need to go before him, right? Maybe year two, it's kind of tiered down, and it's worse. And then eventually, like, with 38 years, some guy is there. He's like, I, I hit my thumb with a hammer today, and I know I can beat the cripple. So the, the angel starts to stir the water. <laughs> Too slow. You didn't get it. 38 years. Like, what is going on with this? And no one would help him. The fact that no one goes and sits by the guy and says, like, hey, we're supposed to be the body of Christ, even though the body of Christ doesn't exist yet because Jesus hasn't died and resurrected. But we're supposed to be the body of Christ, so I'm going to wait, and then I'm just going to throw you in real quick. Somewhere along the lines, nobody wanted to help this guy. And I can imagine those conversations. Like, this guy must not have helped himself. This guy hasn't helped himself. If this guy really wanted to get there, he would be like, he would, he would get up earlier than he normally is getting up. He would go and he would work a little bit harder and he would scoot a little closer to the edge of the water and then like he would be right there and he could beat everyone there. If this guy just doesn't help himself, I'm not going to help some guy who's not going to invest in his own destiny get in the water. Why would I help him if he's not going to help himself? I can just imagine those conversations. And why can I imagine that? Because it's been 38 years. Every single possible thought about this guy had to have been said had to have been brought to, the, brought, to, brought to the conversation. And so no one's helping him. And here he is, 38 years later, and when Jesus goes up to him, he says, hey, what's going on? And the guy says, I can't get in the water. And Jesus is, I can just hear it in his voice. He's like looking around like, really? No one, not one person here like started a campaign for like one day in the past 38 years for you to be the guy like, so, like, they could have made a funnel. They could have done everything. They could have just, just one day, this guy gets to go to the water. No, 38 years. So Jesus is like, you know what? Pick up your mat and walk. We're not going to play by the rules anymore. You're going to enter into a relationship with me. Following? All right, let's go, like, to the third slide. Um, let's go to the next slide. I didn't count the slide. Um, next slide. That's the last one? Oh, there we go. Here it is. Here's my next observation. This is my favorite observation. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? You know they were being nice. Because they use the word fellow. The word fellow is never used in a negative context. Imagine if you turn on the news and the newscaster says, three armed fellows <laughs> broke into the bankery. And the fellow who was the getaway driver. Or you're walking down the street, you see this group of young kids and you're like, those fellows right there. They're not up to any good. That fellow cut me off. You just don't hear it. And so you can kind of hear their tone. Who is this fellow told you to pick up your mat and walk? They're trying to be professional. It's like the word folks. Have you ever used the word? You, the word folks can never be used negatively. Look at those folks. 
That folk tried to beat me up. Doesn't work. And they say, who is this fellow that told you to pick up your mat and walk? Because right before that, you have these people walking along, living their life, doing their day-to-day thing. They pick their head up, they look across the uh, street, and they see the man who hasn't been able to walk for 38 years. Hey, isn't that the guy who hadn't walked in 38 years? I think it is. That's kind of cool. Hey, it's the Sabbath and he's carrying his mat. Let's get him. You're not supposed to be carrying your mat on the Sabbath. Did you notice that I haven't walked in 38 years? I haven't carried anything in 38 years, I'm trying to have an experience here. They don't get it. Have you ever been around a naysayer before? You're like, you call, you're excited, you're driving to Meyer. you're like, Lord, I'm running late, and then hashtag blessed. God gives you the parking spot right in front of Meyer, right? You're like, Lord, you are good. You turn the radio, Lord, you are good and your mercy. And you're just going. Like, you're, God is so good. You call your friend. You won't believe what just happened. God gave me the front, the front parking lot at Meyer, and your friend says, there are starving children in Africa, and God does not care about your parking spot. And you're just like, come on. I was excited. This is that times like 800,000. He's like, 38 years, I haven't been able to walk. Why are you carrying your mat? Why are you carrying your mat? The intent of the Sabbath is for restoration. It is for rest. It is for refreshing. It is for being made whole. Jesus broke the letter of the law in the eyes of these leaders but he fulfilled its purpose in this man's life. The man can break the Sabbath and yet still be experiencing the Sabbath. Sometimes the law isn't what will ultimately set people free. Ever seen Les Mis? Anybody seen Les Mis? This dude follows the law for like an eight-hour movie. And then he kills himself. Because the law leads to death. And the other man breaks the law for an eight-hour movie in the name of love, and it leads to life and peace. Jesus breaks the rules, and in that way becomes the Sabbath for the man. And it's not about the observation of the day anymore. Jesus heals him. He doesn't even know that Jesus healed him. We can take the slide off. He doesn't even know that Jesus healed him. He's experiencing Sabbath. He's experiencing rest. He's experiencing wholeness. Doesn't even know it's Jesus. Jesus finds him later and says, it's time for you to stop sinning. It's time for you to change your life. And the man's immediate reaction isn't, oh, that was Jesus. That makes sense. It was, I think I should go tell on him. And so he immediately goes to the Pharisees and says, it was Jesus who did it. 
38 years with a system of people who had oppressed him and wouldn't even spend one morning to roll him into the water. 38 years. Do the math. I don't know how many days that is. I should have figured it out. 38 years. No one would even roll him into the water. Jesus completely heals him, and his first reaction is to tell on Jesus. His first reaction is to tell on Jesus. I don't think that's this man's fault. I think the man was born into a system that held power over him. And that if he didn't obey that system, everything was going to come crashing down on him. To the point where he could be experiencing all the joy in the world for finally being able to walk after 38 years. And one person from that system could go up to him and say, yeah, but you're carrying your mat when you're not supposed to be carrying your mat. And that would throw him enough to completely throw the God of the universe under the bus. Systems are dangerous. Systems are dangerous unless Jesus is at the core of them. Got a little mm mm-hmm right there. Here's the other thing I want you to know. Jesus will heal you before you know him. Jesus will enter into your life and do his stuff before you even know him. It wasn't until later this guy learned it was Jesus who had healed him. And did that change the fact that Jesus healed him? Not in the slightest. Did it change the fact that Jesus transitioned him from practicing Sabbath on a day to experiencing the Sabbath as a person, as an identity? No, it didn't at all. Jesus became the Sabbath to him. Jesus became his rest and his wholeness before the man even knew it was Jesus. That's a big God. Excuse me, sir, I need you to pray the sinner's prayer and then I will restore you. No. The God of the universe said, pick up your mat and walk. I'll be back later. Pick up your mat and walk. I'll be back later. And then there's this. This is really my favorite part, not the fellow part. The number three is very important in Jewish ritual and tradition. Numbers are super important. And if you, if, if you study John at all, which I've studied John a lot because I love it, you'll notice that there are seven miracles in John. You would think there are more, but there's a lot of miracles listed throughout the uh, Gospels, but there's only seven listed in John, and they're called signs. And so Jesus turns water to wine, and then the writer says, this was the first sign. And then this was the second sign, and eventually the numbering stops, but they're just, this was the sign. And there's seven of them. Now it starts with water to wine, and it ends with Jesus Raising someone from the dead. So you see a progression. They get a little better. They get a little stronger. And then there's an eighth one. Jesus himself rises from the dead. And so the number seven means, does anyone know it? New creation. 
And so when Jesus rises from the dead at the eighth one, the writer, John, is saying, look, something brand new is happening. A new, new creation is happening. But if you pay very close attention to the order of these miracles, you'll see that water to wine looks a lot like Genesis. I am the God who can separate water, who can manipulate water, and I'm going to make that claim right now. My first miracle is going to align with the first miracle. And then number two, I'm going to heal the centurion's son from a long distance away, so I'm not going to be able to touch him. I'm not going to be there with him, so I'm just going to have to speak it. I'm going to speak it into existence. And Jesus begins to make these claims. Hey, in the beginning was me, and I was with God, and I was God. Throughout, with me, without me, nothing was made that has been made. I was there too, and I was doing it all. And then this one, miracle number three. On the Sabbath. And God manipulates water. He speaks everything into existence. And then he rests. And this third one, the number three in Jewish tradition, means peace. Means wholeness. Means time to refresh. And Jesus says, I am the God who gives rest. You are not the person who defines what rest is. You are not the one who says, on this day your soul will be filled if you do not pick up your mat. Or if you do not pull your donkey out of the ditch. Or if you do not walk so many steps. I am the, I am the God of rest. I am Sabbath. I am I am. And Jesus makes the claim. Miracle three. Little assignment for you if you're curious. Study the other four. They're pretty cool. Manipulates water, speaks things into existence and rests. And now if you're in relationship with this Jesus, he is your rest. When he appears to contradict the religious scholars of his day with Sabbath practices, it's because he's specifically giving Sabbath an identity. I am Sabbath. And he's completely identifying with Genesis chapter 1. There's your little Bible study for you. It's exactly what he's doing. Those questioning the man say, this practice is forbidden. It violates the Sabbath. And the man responds, how can this be? Because I was instructed by whoever healed me, the one who gave me rest. I was instructed by that to walk. I have to follow that because that's the thing that actually gave me rest. And I'm resting right now and I'm carrying my mat. The word Sabbath means to exhale or rest, and so we exhale and find rest in Jesus. He's our Sabbath. So people would look at Jesus and notice his claim to be the God who created everything. The people of that day, I think, would have noticed 
he's claiming to be the God of rest. The practices, they're not rest. The I am is rest. So we find ourselves in this practice of breathing in and exhaling who Jesus is, not not walking a certain distance. Now, here's where things get interesting. I have this much left. So we're, we're doing good. Here's where things get interesting. And I, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to address it a little more. Jesus heals the man before he tells him to change. Sometimes, friends, please listen now. Sometimes Jesus will remove you from your situation. He'll heal you. He'll let you find peace and freedom in your healing. Sometimes Jesus will fi- find you by the pool of Bethsaida, that place where everyone is hurting you, not empowering you, not helping you to get into the water. He'll remove you from that situation. He'll actually have you walk away from that situation. He'll bring healing. He'll bring freedom to you. And then later, when you're feeling really good, he'll show back up and say, you know what? Uh, You had a little bit of ownership in this thing. It's probably time for you to go make things right. Yeah, I separated you. I moved you because I love you and I healed you. And I knew that you couldn't handle taking the responsibility you needed to take right then. Because you were hurt. I'm your father. I love you. I see you. You were hurt. So I separated you. And I brought you over here. And I spoke really good things into you. And I put new people in your life to speak into you. And now that you're feeling really good and confident, it's time for you to make things right. Because guess what? You're not perfect either. You're not. And so I think that's probably happened to some of you. And I think I want that to be my challenge. If God has separated you, and he's set you aside, and he's begun to do a healing work in your life, and he said, the, the, the past is the past, and I'm going to separate you from that hurt, at some point he's going to come back and he's going to remind you, they're people too. They're my children too. And I'm a God of reconciliation. And you must make things right. I'm not talking about sexual abuse. I'm talking about relationships. So Jesus comes back to him and he says, now it's time to change what you're doing. But he's not going to do it all at once. Look at Israel. Imagine Israel coming out of slavery. And then God be like, boom, here's Jesus. They wouldn't have understood it. It wouldn't have made any sense. So he walked with them on a process. And then we learned that the Bible is the word of God only in the sense that it led them to the word of God. And it led us to the word of God. And so God does this thing called processes with us. And he takes us and sometimes our own hurt gets in the way so much that we need to be healed before we can own our own junk. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm... This isn't where I change my tone and start preaching, you need to own your junk. No, it's okay. Sometimes your own junk gets in the way so much so that you can't see three feet ahead of you, and God doesn't care, and that's not your fault. He just has to separate you and heal you. And then once that healing takes place, he's going to, I promise you, come back and say, listen, 
it's time for you to change too. So God separates us, he heals us, and then he corrects us, and that's a beautiful thing. Because if he just corrected us, whew, if he just treated us like we treat each other, oh man, that would be messy. So if God has separated you, amen. If he is healing you, hallelujah. And if you're starting to feel full again, he's coming back. <laughs> and it's going to be nice. And you're going to get to live in reconciliation. But the temptation for the man was to still listen to the way of the Pharisees and how they told him to live. The temptation was now that he was whole and he was full and he had peace to step back into that system and try to take power. I experience this something that you guys haven't experienced in 38 years. You live by your rules. I experience Christ and I experience peace. It's more power than you've experienced. I should be the powerful one. That would be the temptation as opposed to Jesus, you are my rest. I will pick up my mat and walk, like Joe said, Joe Brown last Sunday. I will let you heal me, and then I will step into your reconciliation when it is time. Because of your intense focus, I can tell that is resonating, and I'm thankful because that's the word for the day. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank you that you will never leave us for 38 years. Thank you that when people have not come to shove us into the water, you have walked up and righted the wrongs. Thank you that you are the God who heals. And nothing heals as good as you heal. Thank you that we can follow you and your way of love as opposed to the rules that people put in place. And thank you that you don't leave us alone and you're going to come back, you're going to correct us, and you're going to do it so gently and loving that we're going to say yes to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I think that I might be like five minutes fast. So hug somebody and then slowly make your way to get your kids. It's okay. Like you're at church, you're at the river. Like this is a place where everyone belongs. So this is a place that you don't have to sprint out the back. You can actually take some time and find the joy box on your way and give somebody a hug. Go in peace.